What's up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Pints and Provisions Podcast. This is Evan here. Every time we record, what we're going to do is try to bring you the best content and the best audio. But the last time we recorded with Ryan and Kyle, we were able to get good content, but gosh darn it, did that audio not come through the best. That probably is just my mistake, and definitely we're going to be fixing it the best we can every time. We felt that the content of this was excellent, so we decided to go forward with publishing it. So I hope you enjoy the episode where we talk about Beer 102 and some of our favorite beers. Thanks again for tuning in, and don't forget to check out our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Cheers. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot to. I can't Irish car bombs, sleigh bombs, whatever bad bombs. Bad, bad, bad. College is... <clears throat> All right, welcome back. Pints and Provisions Podcast. This is Evan, uh, joined by Ryan and Kyle tonight. Let's do this. Right on, right on. Kyle, you're going to say hello. Hello. Yeah, great. Not like Ryan the first time we ever podcast. We're like, Ryan, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, still apologetic to our listeners. Yeah. Well, if they still listen. I think by now, if you still listen. The ones for episodes one don't listen anymore. <laughs> Not after episode two. That was like. So one, two. Yeah. Booberry. Booberry. Yeah. How many times? We're going to have to do a running count. How many times we bring up Booberry Muffin? Um, just about as many times as we bring up Best Beer in the World Ever Made in History. That's right. Um, so we'll start off with beers of the week. Um, I'm just going to go first because I got it right in front of me. I actually had the Aslan Beer Company, one of their stouts, and a lot of people know them for their IPAs, and their stouts are probably better than their IPAs and actually are more sought after than their IPAs. This was their Imperial Stout with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberries, or sort of their Neapolitan, and whoa, did it pack a punch. I mean, it was 15%. I was just going to ask BBV. Okay. On the can, so it's a 16-ounce can. Um, let's just say that was the only one I had that night, but it was fantastic. Good mouthfeel, thick, creamy, tasted like a Neapolitan ice cream sandwich. And you had the whole thing. I had the whole thing, but like I said, that was the only thing I had. And the yeah. nice thing about a stout and is do you something can... like that over three or four hours or whatever. Right? Exactly. And if it warms up, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. We're all three balanced on that. I had a Neapolitan last night and strawberry was way too much. Um, it was pretty heavy on the chocolate, but of course I think you get a lot of that from the stout, probably green bill, but... I thought it was very well done. Uh, it definitely wasn't too much fruit like strawberry. Okay. Who wants to go next? Um, mine is from uh, Holy Mountain Brewing out of Seattle, Washington. It's uh, their 2018 Midnight Still. Go next. It's a 13% uh, barrel blended Imperial Stout is what they call it. So the 2018 version incorporates a stock of Imperial Stout aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels for 18 months, 12 months, and 9 months. And... 
it was uh, spot on on the, the viscosity, super thick. Uh, very, very bourbon barrel, but barrel forward. Uh, tons of oak and, and whiskey, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, not too boozy or anything. Um, and then you still got definitely plenty of the malt and the chocolate and all of that. I mean, it was it was very, very, like, not super complex, balanced, uh, delicious. Nice. 500 milliliter bottle I split with uh, a fellow listener, Luke. And Shout out, uh, Luke. We both, we both loved it. Very nice. Yep, Holy yeah. Mountain is actually probably known most for IPAs as well. And, bar- and their barley wine, And right? their barley wine, Hand of Glory. Hand of Glory. Um, but I've had a couple of their stouts, and uh, their sours are supposed to be really good. So, I mean, I think Seattle, Washington, they know what they're doing. Aren't they there. the one that, that makes the guava gin table? Guava gin table, yeah. 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 Well, good for them. One of those mega whales. Mega. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle. I had the pleasure of stopping by one of my beer fest favorites, Funk Factory Guzzeria, on Monday. Um, was that Sunday? It was Sunday. They were closed on Monday. My way up. Um, I had their on your way up to the Packers Bears game, right? We don't, we don't talk about that part. Okay. <laughs> a football game. We can uh, talk about the first half if you want. A or... football contest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was dressed as Mike Ditka, and they. Uh, I saw that. That was impressive. In a box. At Lambeau. Did anybody so, mistake you for Ditka? No, no, they didn't. Uh, I, I stood out, too skinny. I stood out in the, uh, in the box, though, surrounded by 19 other Packers fans. So. I bet they were really nice to you, though. They weren't. They weren't, but I asked for it. I, uh, I brought that upon myself in the first half, so. Okay, fair enough. But uh, in my, well, it got to a point that it seemed like the Bears wouldn't be able to lose, and then they did. And then they did. I've been a Bears fan for a very long time, and I don't think I've been let down that hard. It's, uh, it's impressive, really. But at the, uh, the Funk Factory, I had their Beard of Coupage. Coupage? Coupage? Coupage. I don't I took French, but I'm not good at it. Okay. Coupage. Okay. It is a... Uh, <clears throat> beard of Coupage is actually a style of beer. It's a way to incorporate hops into a traditional uh, sour saison. When you have lactobacillus in your beers, they don't cooperate with hops. So if you have, if you have hops, you won't get sour. So you take a vintage sour beer and mix it with a freshly hopped saison, you get the beer to copage. Nice. So for this one, they took 250 gallons of a fresh hop feeder saison and mixed it with multiple vintage vintages of their method traditionale, mm-hmm. which is an American lambic. Yep. I think it was a, a one year and a four year. Okay, maybe. Awesome. Um, mix that together. That. So it was a just a six percent, very very easy drinking, clean. It was a wonderful beer. Nice. And they didn't fruit it or anything like that. Just straight up. Chester King does a really good one like that too, and I didn't know the details about how those are made, but that's a good style. What's it called? Uh, the Jester King one. You don't remember? I think that? it's called Beer de, Beer de Coupage. I think, oh, it is. I, yeah, I don't think they have a name to it. Okay, but. That was the big letters on the on the label. It's, I I don't remember. I don't recall it having a name. But. Yeah, because they're definitely one of the um, like behind the movement of uh, method traditional. Definitely. I oh, yeah. think they got that name coined yep. with um, can't think of his name from Cantillon. Uh, they had his blessing them not yeah. using the name Lambic. Oh yeah, you can't <laughs> do that. No, you will. You will go down. You'll go down. That's right. Um, Funk Factory is in yeah, Madison, Wisconsin. Ma- it is in Madison. Oh, okay, nice. I thought it was a town. In the area, but okay. So, so if you're heading up to that area, hit up that and hit up New Glarus and 
That'd be a pretty nice uh, vacation. A great yeah. stop. It's a tiny uh, tap room, some outdoor seating, and they had probably 15 bottles to go, ranging from $10 to $32, I think was their most expensive. Mm-hmm. They had a, a lot of their Sorvino series, which they call a, a bridge between wine and beer. Okay. A bunch of different uh, saisons fruit with different grapes. Yeah. That had their Sangiovese before. I grabbed a bottle of that. It's delicious. Yeah, we got to get those wine drinkers over over here to our side, right? Because you can have a little Definitely. bit of both. Yeah, but we 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 will do a wine episode at some point. We keep talking about it. Soon. It'll very happen. soon. It'll soon. <laughs> we need to do it soon. <clears throat> yeah. All right. All right. Tonight's agenda was was going to be beer 102. So we're going to go to the next classic style round of beers that. People should look for, you should kind of know about their, the kind of beers where everybody should at least try this style. Um, you may not like it, you may love it, but to be a, I think to be a really knowledgeable beer drinker, you should know uh, a, a good representative beer for the style. So that's what we're going to kind of go over. And Ryan is pouring the Bearded Owl, uh, who's your dunkle? So this one is, yeah, Who's Your Dunkel, a uh, 5.1% uh, Dunkelweizen. So I guess we could start with this one um, as part of this, and um, it's it's actually pretty straightforward. I mean, Hefeweizen is the one that gets all the attention for your wheat beers and your German beers and, and things like that, but then um, your, your Dunkelweizen is very, very similar. Um, it basically has 50%, if not more, of the same exact malt bill as a Hefeweizen, or the, the wheat side of it. And then it's basically um, the Dunkel part is using a little bit of darker malts and some Vienna and, and caramel and things like that, as opposed to like a Pilsner malt mm-hmm. um, for the Hefeweizen. So it's, you know, very weedy. You've got the similar flavors in uh, like a, your banana clove and maybe a little spiciness and things like that. Um, very traditional. Probably not as popular in the U.S. as a Hefeweizen. No. I think when you go overseas and definitely in Germany, you'll probably see a similar ratio of, of the Hef and the and the Dunkel um, at, at your various bars, definitely in the uh, Bavaria region, because as we talked before, you know, a lot of these German beers are very regional. Um, you know, I, I, I we had this, uh, I haven't had a sip yet, but we had it at Bearded Owl when we, when we did our uh, collaboration Two weekends ago, yep, we had it out of the tank. It wasn't fully done yet, and I thought it just tasted delicious. And I think that's we might have even decided then, hey, our next episode we need to do a beer 102 um, and have this style, and then have a couple others we're going to do in a little bit. So uh, it's a really interesting one. It's 5.1 percent, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the bearded owl guys even made a comment how people sometimes come in and they say, you know, they ask them. You know, we don't really know uh, exactly what we want. I don't know a ton of the styles. And they say, okay, well, what, you know, what flavors do you like? Or what do you know you like? And they say, well, I don't like dark beer. Yeah. And it's like, well, that doesn't really go into uh, the consistency that a lot of your, your, you know, your random beer drinker would say. Because you a 5% Dunkelweizen, for this example, is going to be much lighter than a 7%, 8% New England IPA. Oh, yeah. So when you compare dark versus light, it really isn't that consistent. Um, oftentimes, your darker beers will be higher in ABV, and they will tend to be heavier, but um, it doesn't always work that way. So that's kind of a, 
an incorrect way of thinking because, I mean, even just pouring this out, there was just a really, really nice level of carbonation and um, it's definitely thinner. It's only 5%, so it should be an easy drinker. And it is. I don't know. I, I've been talking for a while. I need to take a drink and hear what you guys have to think. I was going to say uh, Dunkel is my go-to gateway beer for the I don't drink dark drink dark beers. Um, down at Ulrich's, we had a, a decent selection of Dunkels, and I used to serve them pretty often. I mean, if you, you smell it, and if you just kind of close your eyes and smell it, it, you get the banana, you get the clove, like you would with a typical Hefeweizen. And then when you open your eyes and you look at the dark uh, color of it, that caramel, like deep copper color, it just can turn those people who are just looking at the color for it off. But as soon as you taste it, they'll appreciate the creaminess, the lightness of that it does have. Absolutely. And then that nice... You know, yeast-driven clove and 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 estery flavor that you get from these, which everyone typically likes about a regular hefeweizen or wheat beer. I think Erdinger makes a yeah a dunkel. Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, before we had this sample, I think Erdinger is probably the only one that I've had. Uh, Weinstefaner, uh, I'm sure. I think had. we had you brought that for beer 101, Kyle. Weinstefaner, uh, based on the, uh, their original Pilsner, I think is what you brought, but they make a dunkelweizen. Yep. Uh, Hacker Shore does, but it really is. I mean, when you when you really look at, if you go online and look at uh, yeah. who makes them, it is very, very German traditional. And then when you taste one, you say, why haven't more breweries in the U.S. started this style like they have, kind of like an American Hefeweizen style? Right. Adventina's Wheat Doppelbach was my first purchase from Friar Check. Yeah, the Doppelbach, too. I mean... Adventinus always makes a ton of really good wheat beers, hoppy wheat beers, traditional wheat beers. I think beers. that one is seven or eight percent. They'll sneak up on you. And you can you can culture their yeast out of their bottles. You can. There's usually enough sediment that if you really want to use the Adventinus wheat, um, sorry, the Adventinus yeast, you can you can use that to make your your dunkles and use that with the yeast starter. Yeah, just start it up. Um, let's not also forget that we were sipping on the Bourbon County Ranch <laughs> oh, yeah. Stout. Um, Northwood Stout, which was the blueberry blueberry juice, it's the very the 2017 variant with blueberry juice and almond extract. Yeah, which we were all noting that when we first had this when it came out, which is upcoming about a year ago, a lot of nutty forward on the almond, and now you get a lot of predominant berry, kind of that you know sweet berry. Not a lot, of, not as much of the. It's completely transformed into something something way different. Um, it's actually probably a little smoother too. So um, I would say it's aged pretty nicely um, in about I guess ten months or eleven months or whatever you want to call it. But I had one with Mark uh, after a podcast here. I think it was yeah shortly after the release. So it was uh, probably one of our first ones, and it was very almond forward. I mean, it, you got a plenty of blueberry on like the finish. But it was nutty, and it, uh, it it was very off of what a you know your typical Bourbon County variant typically tastes like, because it's you know outside of vanilla rye and and the uh, the original vanilla, it's all been pretty uh, fruity or, or sweetness added to it, and this one would just all nuttiness. Um, but uh, I think it was good first. Uh, I liked it the first time. I think it was uh, way better today. I liked how the blueberries kind of come forward a little bit, still a little bit of nuttiness, and. Yeah. As both of those still fade a little bit, that Bourbon County base is never a bad that. thing. I can smell more of that your base. Beer. Yeah. I can smell more of that base. I still get a little sweet blueberry juice, I get a little bit of almond, but it's a lot more balanced than it was at first. Definitely. I mean, you see on trade forums and different groups of, I mean, 
you know, Goose Island uh, in Chicago, they still continue to release backyard rye bottles, drafts, maybe even some cherry rye. I mean, those are five, six-year-old beers that continue to get released. And it's like, even if you have just a hint of that fruit, that base beer is so good that, yep. you know, the longer it ages, it really doesn't, it's not, I mean, it's it's going to change, but it's not going to hurt it that right. much. Right. Extract and juice is new for them on this beer, wasn't it? They don't yeah. just do straight berries or... This was, I, yeah. I think for the most part, yeah. Yep. I agree. I'm trying to think of It had what been a they, number of years before they had done berry when they did this. Like, hadn't it been a couple years? Because they had the debacle uh, of 15 Regal. and then... Yeah, oh, sorry, Regal. Regal was in 2015. My bad. That was um, one of the survivors. I don't know if that was ac- yeah. extract. That was a survivor, yeah. <laughs> of, 20, of the 2015. Yeah, that rare. Yeah. Both are drinking great right now. Oh, I will rare. comment. Oh, rare. Had yeah. a rare a couple weeks the ago. The rare got barreled the year previous. That's why. Right. I, That's true. It dodged. Thank you. Place. Thank you for pointing that yeah. out. Yeah. Somehow sure Regal, Regal did. I had one a couple months ago, and it was not infected. It's still drinking really, really nice. And that one, that one might have been the... Blackberry juice or something, a little bit more of an extract. I'll have to double check, but yeah, also very good. But all right, good on the dumbbell. Back to the style. This is a this is a nice beer. I'm glad. I don't know. I I think we decided that day. I'm glad we uh, we said this would be a good good one for the topic because yeah, this is a great one for people to seek out at your local beer store. It's just a easy drinking. Five point one percent. I mean, there's not a lot of beers that are much lower than that and are easy no. to drink. Yeah, it's a good fall beer. Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. that too. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll get into some more fall beers too, but I appreciate Nick and PJ allowing us to take a little sip of that before because it kind of got our piqued our interest while we were. Oh yeah. Giving them kind of a day off of brewing, which I think they enjoyed, <laughs> but it was good to hang out with them. Good to get to know them a little bit more, um, and then help get, them clean their vessels. Help them clean, <laughs> which is you know Suckers. yeah big part of big part of brewing, but. It was a fun day where we got to make a true collab beer, so we're looking forward to that coming out. Uh, we'll let everybody know when that gets out. Hopefully, we'll be able to go down there, do a little recording with them when, yeah. when we get that released. So, And they're actually headed to the uh, Great American Beer Fest. Kyle, I don't know if you've been to that one before, but uh, probably the number one beer festival, I think, in the world. The largest one. It's the biggest in the U.S. Um, I think it's the biggest in the world. What did I they know. say? It's eight football fields of just like beer vendors and, and samples and stuff? My brother's gone a couple times when he lived in Denver, and he said it's almost too much. It's obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so they, they're taking four beers out there, so if anyone, any of our listeners are going to it, uh, check out Bearded Olive Brewing from Peoria. Um, they're taking their Gruit. I love which, it. Which uh, I, I told Nick, I said, that was an awesome beer, uh, very unique style, and I really hope that people will seek that, like when they just kind of walk by the Gruit style, you know, hopefully people try it, because it was a really, really Because you're going to have plenty of entries of New England IPAs. They, they didn't do stops. it. Like, he said, that he, someone There's told him that, reason to. that like 50% of the entries were either IPA or double IPA. You need to stay away from IPAs. So they, they did a few different <laughs> you things. Stand and, out. and uh I know the, the, Air, the Denver, greater Denver region does a great job with beers doing random releases and whatnot. Weldworks is doing their media noche this week and yeah. all of that's going on. So a good part of the country to be in if you're around right now. All right. What's next? We got, uh, Ryan, do you have another one or do we want to move on to you pick Evan? You're the captain. Well, how about, I think that the Oktoberfest might go next to this really well. Um, I picked two, one, which is made here in America by revolution and one that was made by one of the original, sort of Reinheitsgebot kind of breweries out in Munich 
that had been served at the original October, or at least was made for the original Oktoberfest. So for those of you that uh, don't know, here, we'll, we'll get this cracked and I'll kind of continue my story. Awesome. It's the Hackner Shore original Oktoberfest Amber Marzen. So I'll kind of pass that. You guys can uh, open that up and we can start pouring a little. I got another bottle if you want another bottle. Um, is every Oktoberfest considered a Marzen? Is that the, the main style or do the U.S. Every, I think every Oktoberfest is a Marzen. Not every Marzen is an Oktoberfest. Yeah, so okay. traditionally an Oktoberfest means that it is chosen, which there are six breweries that are chosen to serve a, a amber style Marzen at Oktoberfest, which is kind of neat. But it's held in Munich. Last uh, couple of years there's been near six million people. And over six, unbelievable. six to seven million liters of beer are consumed over the course of 16 days. And the way they figure out when Oktoberfest is 16 days prior to the first Sunday in October. So that's why it's traditionally in September. Now, Oktoberfest was originally a wedding uh, commissioned by the Crown Prince of Bavaria back in 1810. Um, and he commissioned Joseph Shore, who was part here namesake of this beer, to do a wedding, uh, a beer for his wedding. So that's how Oktoberfest beer was originated. Now, this particular brewery has been around since 1417, which was almost a hundred years before the Rheinheitsgebot. Unbelievable. But they merged, and now it's Hackner Shore. But anyway, you know, through a bunch of family stuff, this is one of the original sort of brewed beers at the original Oktoberfest, which is kind of fun. So enjoy. I think it's very, you know, easy to drink. You got a lot of good spiciness, uh, which you, oh, well, that was a perfect pour. Perfect amount. I think you tend, it's another easy drinker. It's a very easy drinker. I think I've had Hawker Shores uh, Oktoberfest. I've not had A this. lot lighter than I was expecting. I mean, you've got, you probably have all been familiar with like Polliner, um, oh, yeah. Spotten. Spotten is my go-to. Um, for sure. I picked this specifically for the history of it. I appreciate that. Um, it's it's just kind of neat that this is probably, and I'm sure that the recipe has not changed very much since 1810. It's got that traditional sort of patchwork uh, blue and white um, background on the label, but you know now's the time for Oktoberfest. This is a, a great time of year, but this kind of beer just really, really sits well. Not in May when all the American Oktoberfest hit the stores. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> pumpkin it's amazing they all come out like three or four months early. Are you like pumpkin? The middle of summer. Just to help get rid of that inventory early. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Drives me crazy. I think I, I commented on this on the last one, but uh, so I'll do it again. Brewed according to the German law of purity of 1516. There you go. I love how they have that and they put it on the bottle and they just keep that going. Which I love how this brewery, well, at least the... Uh, I think it was the shore was around since 1417. So it was almost a hundred years before the right heights could be. Yeah. And this is 5.8%. And I, I would say drinking this it, almost lighter. It actually definitely to me tastes lighter than the Dunkelweizen. Yeah. But I guess the malt bill itself is going to be a little heavier for the wheat, but I no, mean, they will no, there won't be any wheat in this. No, no, no. I mean for the Dunkelweizen. Oh, compared. Yeah. 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 But, uh, also, no, no, no. real easy drinker. We have the four ingredients, my friend. Nice and crisp, <laughs> and 
32 ounce stein of a six percent beer. I mean, you could you could do that. Like, I mean, this Legally. is you could. That's why Oktoberfest people can drink big steins, liters of beer like that. And what was it? I think we uh, Mark sent us an article or something where uh, you're not so you get these steins at, at the at Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to leave with it for whatever reason. You don't actually buy it, and I think they try to reuse it, and they confiscate like. 750,000 of them for people trying to hide them in purses and in their, uh, in their skirts or whatever, all these people are wearing and the different uh, outfits and suspenders and all of that. And, and they're strict about it. So it's, uh, I think the security guards have kind of their own heyday too. From working in a bar, it usually takes about two to three beers before people get sticky fingers and then everything (laughs) becomes theirs. So I can only imagine what a authentic German Stein has to go quick. So I wonder, um, I know that this is a competition at Oktoberfest, but, you know, the um, the servers in Oktoberfest, there's always a competition to who can carry the most steins. I think it's like in the teens or the 20s. And they do where you uh, you have to hold a full beer in one, the longest, and all of that. And it's Pure is doing that this Saturday. This weekend? And it's pretty incredible amount of time that people are able to do that. But they've got world records and all that for, for all uh all the fun that they have out there, and I don't know. That needs to be a bucket list thing. We should yes. be filming live on site, Oktoberfest. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be Fly so the mic over. and <laughs> Oh, yeah, we could do that. That would be great. Have some pretzels, join six million other people drinking six million liters of beer. Steal <laughs> some signs. Yeah. And wear some lederhosen. That's right. Um, I brought another one. We can have it uh, a little bit later, maybe, but that was the Revolution Oktoberfest, which... In my opinion, for especially a regional craft, Illinois craft beer brewery, Revolution does a fantastic job at their um, Oktoberfest. Well, I was even thinking, Kyle, you're you're the expert with the was a dovetail, right? I mean, they probably do a great one, or yeah, at least a great Mars, and maybe maybe it's not even for an Oktoberfest. And then um, uh, the St. Louis brewery. Urban Chestnut. Urban Chestnut. I was going to say Chester. Yeah, it's called OCAT. Urban Chestnut. And they do an Oktoberfest that's really good. And then uh, I assume Schlafly does too because yeah. they always seem to keep up with the traditional styles that they do really well too. So, um, Yeah, Dovetail has a big Oktoberfest celebration. They have a bunch of outdoor tents and vendors and we went there last year. It'd be super fun. Their Oktoberfest is delicious. Nice. It's that time. Just drink up your uh, Marzen's. But it doesn't surprise me that Revolution has a good Oktoberfest. All their multi offerings are delicious. Yeah. Their barley wines and stouts are phenomenal. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And I think that they actually call it a German style lager. They call it their Oktoberfest, but they call it a German style lager. It's got it's got like a fat a fat guy playing a tube on it too. That's pretty nice. Their artwork is awesome, always. Yep, five it's consistent. 7. Consistent, but it's uh it changes plenty. Beautiful. It's good. All right. I'm, Moving on. I'm kind of excited about this one. Okay. Uh, so I actually have a little bit to talk about for this style, but I think uh, I think Kyle here knows more about it than I do. But this one is by a pretty popular brewery. Um, Boone, Boone Brewery is basically their name. It translates a little differently in Belgium. But uh, they come out with, I think... I don't know if this is a, a once once uh, once a year or if it, if it actually was just one one time only type release, but they did a it's called a VAT series um, and the VAT 
forgive me, I'll have to, I'll, I'll go back to while I kind of read some of these details, but uh, different numbers of the barrels that they actually uh, pulled for the goose that they're entering um, or that they're putting in these barrels. So um, different types of oak, a lot of different uh, goose blends and things like that. And so for this style, uh, obviously I, I, we, we talked about a little bit in advance, but uh, you know, your, your goose typically is not considered a very traditional style of beer when you think about a Hefeweizen and a Mars and, and uh, some of the other ones we're going to talk about later. Um, but, you know, Goose goes way back three, four, five hundred years. It's been being made in Belgium for a really long time. And then when you look at like more of the New World beers, it's got an incredible amount of influence on what's being made today. So it just kind of seems like even if you're you know, your random lager drinker doesn't consider this a traditional style. It definitely um, goes way back and I think should be uh, at least thought of in that same category. So uh, this is uh, by Boon Brewery, Oud Goose, VAT92. So uh, a, a, a friend of mine, Thomas, in, uh, in Cologne, Germany, uh, sent this, actually brought this over <laughs> as he came for work purposes. Um, so it's corked. They have, uh, it was a little four-bottle discovery box is what it's called, and uh, had a nice little pop on that. Yeah, I love it. Um, so uh, I'll just pass this around, and then uh, there's there's a good description on all the, the casks that they use for the different series in this, uh, in this little four-pack. So it's kind of a cool style, but Goose goes way back, and it's... Uh, I don't know, in your, in your really, really big beer nerds, it's probably more of the underappreciated type of sour-ish or type right. of lambic. Um, but, uh, you know, whether it's fruited or just the traditional style, the first one we had, I was like, man, this is kind of similar to like what we talk about with IPAs. It's like it's fun to go back to just the, the little bit more of the traditional style and appreciate all yep. the different flavors going on and all of that. And for those of you that uh, head to the grocery store or your local bottle shop, Boone makes a very easy to find Oud Goose called Black Label Boone Goose. Um, I mean, I've found it at Hy-Vee a number of times just on the shelf, and it is a great, great, great bottle of beer. And so if you know the geographical uh, location for Belgium, um, most of their uh, languages are either French or German based on where you're located. These guys are right by uh, Brussels, and which is like the Lambic kingdom <laughs> of, oh, yeah. of the universe. <laughs> um, and so they actually do all the descriptions in this little pamphlet that comes with the box um, in German, French, and English. So uh, it's it's kind of fun reading through this and... <laughs> looking at the, the different four styles, but then they give a little bit of uh, a background on some stuff, and it's... Can you read the German for our German listeners? Yes. No. <laughs> Come on, this no. is... We got Oktoberfest, we've got... <laughs> I won't even start. Give a couple lines, it's fine. Um, but, uh, so I'll, I, w- I will... No. But I will explain what we're drinking in English. That's like dry hay. Really this, dry uh, hay. This Vat this. 92... Oak wood, complex, and perfectly balanced with smoky and spicy touches. This traditional Ugu's is a favorite of our team of tasters. It is pleasantly full-bodied, complex, and has a few smoky and spicy touches. These unique flavors are due to the oak cask, which used to be used by red wine makers in France's Rhone Valley. The oak leaves a clear mark on the general taste, adding an extremely welcome touch 
to the Lambic's aroma. And I was telling everyone, I was telling these guys before, um, I'll tell our listeners that uh, they used for the four series, so this one obviously I uh, just said it's a red wine, but they used a uh, Calvados cask for one, um, a second use Goose cask dated back to 1935. This is brewed in 2014. And then a cognac cask. So uh, they kind of changed it up a little bit and there are some very specific instructions here on how to. <laughs> it's crazy. Serve, this, like, look, like this it little says, pamphlet. Do not use this, this pamphlet's glass. like fifteen pages long. So they're telling you how to drink it. They're <laughs> oh no, there's a, there's like a there's an I, I'll I'll post a picture of this for everybody. There's a they cross out what kind of glass you should not use. They show what kind of glasses you should use. Which one got it wrong? <laughs> I'm sure it was the shaker. That buddy. is on the bottle that Evan is reading, or on the label that Evan's reading all of this. And it says store upright, not on its uh, side. I think that's true of a lot of lambics. I think a you oh, know cork and cage. Yeah, don't don't sit them on their side. Then there's the argument of does the cork dry out? I think for a goose, who cares? <laughs> that's true. Well, this had foil on the top, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. How much is the foil really going to prevent the drying drying out? Because I assume, I mean, I assume this would age really, really well. I mean, well, it's already four years old. Yeah, it's like older than half of my children. I think this is this is a special beer, really. Thanks for bringing this and thanks for sharing it. It's this is special. That's really good. I wish my German suppliers liked me as much as they like you. <laughs> Gosh, man, they take him out to Cologne and get him get him drunk on. Uh, on, no love uh, for me. On uh, a 500-year-old uh, at a 500-year-old uh, Kolsch brewery. Yeah. That's special. Nice. I, f- I feel like so, we are yeah. very old-world beer today. I love old That's kind of what we talked about. We said we're kind of going back to the traditional styles. And a goose, uh, Kyle, you probably know this better than I do, but a goose has to be a blend. It has to be at least a blend of a one-year lambic with a two or more uh, year older lambic as well. So it has to be at least a blend of that. And I mean, when you read some of the Cantillon descriptions and things like that, I mean, they're blending four or five, six different things together that have ranges from you know one to six, seven to ten years or whatever. You also have to use aged hops and spontaneously ferment. And your grain bill has to be a certain percentage yep. of wheat, and um, it, it's more strict than the Brian Heitzker boat. And yeah, it's and, and it has to it's be actually a pretty impressive how they're so strict on the requirements for the style, and yet people still do it and do it really well. And it's, and, and that's how Jester and, King and, is. and they've embraced it, right? Yeah, like Jester King's embraced it as the method goose, which is as close yeah, as they can get without making it in yep, Belgium. The only. The only box they don't check. <clears throat> yep. That's right. It's, you know, so uh, for example, very cool style. Um, I posted this on our Instagram page, this Cantillon. This is an unblended Lambic, but they don't call it a goose because it's not blended. It was a three-year in oak, but it was a, um, it's a Grand Cru. It was, oh, it was funky as all funk. Almost too much funk. And it was only, never too much funk. and it was only really <laughs> good to drink once it got to like room temperature. It was not even good, a little bit cold. I meant to ask, is this at 14 degrees Celsius per the bottle? Per the bottle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what is that? There's in no mountains that tell me what, what, what is that in Fahrenheit? It at. 
It has to be in Celsius. You have to measure it in Celsius. 14 degrees Celsius is probably in the upper 50s. What's the conversion? 32 plus uh, X times something. How do you guys like it? I get that. I get that smokiness too. I now get the, the oak. Yeah. Definitely wasn't a second use uh, red wine because there's no uh, red wine tin or. Fifty-seven point two degrees Fahrenheit. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, if, they, if you were at Side Project, they'd tell you fifty-seven point two degrees. Oh, they absolutely do. <laughs> and they'll list it in their menu as fifty-seven point two degrees. Well, um, tap it with fifty-two, fifty, or fifty-two, forty-eight, and forty-two. I think are there. They, I was going to yeah. say they separated out. Yeah. I mean, they have yeah. different beers for different taps. They must have one of those flux capacitors. <laughs> You know, in the back of their... They've got... They've got something in there. Something <laughs> special for everything they're doing. <laughs> and they know it. Yeah, I definitely get some smokiness to this. It's yeah. uh, it's pretty interesting. But it's like a dry smoke, not a campfire smoke, but just kind of like a... Like if you were if you were burning hay. But like wet... I, I don't know. It's just... It's special. I like that a lot. As yeah, always. Wet hay? Wet hay. Oh, yeah. Wet hay. Yeah. I don't know if I want to pop my bottle anymore. Might just go raid Ryan's cellar. Yeah. Just one up is all the other two of these. There's more. So you can get that only in Belgium, basically. I don't know. If, I don't know for sure. Um, he texted me and he said he was in Belgium and he wanted to know the kind of beer that I was looking for. He thought it was like a quad because he always talks about how the Belgian beers that are super high ABVs he just can't stand. Um, and I said no. I said yeah. I'm. I'm definitely uh, would love some Lambic. I gave him some recommendations, and he brought this over, and all for the Goose style. And uh, this is the second one I've had so far. I probably need to age one or maybe both of them for a little while, and just see how they go. But uh, the different barrels and kind I of different a, styles of each wine. of them you get a little are, wine on that? kind of kind of Very interesting. Fine. So, uh, and it is eight percent. I mean, Goose is usually a little bit lower, but that's pretty hefty. Yeah. It's pretty nice. I, I you you can you can always pour a couple more uh, little, little drams right there. That's good. Bing. You gonna steal those drags? <laughs> oh, you got it. They should make a three seventy five milliliter uh, lambic basket. They do. Uh, well, I, I figure they do. <laughs> they should make well, one that do. gets sent to this house. <laughs> That is one thing the Pines and Provisions podcast does not have as a lambic basket. That's I'm very surprised in that. We have a whale slayer. We don't have a lambic basket. Every time Side Project comes out with one, that's the only one that I ever have a chance of getting, and they sell out. Like, you could order hours. one on Amazon, right? Yeah. I mean, it may not be a traditional I, I lambic get basket. A traditional one. I can make you a lambic box. Does that work? <laughs> Maybe. That's what Side Project says. It's Maybe. a box. Yeah. We can See talk what I can about do. That. <laughs> So what's next? Well, we I think we should. Up I think we should do the saison Dupont. Yeah, I think Kyle's good, got. Good uh, time. Yeah, Kyle's got some uh, learning to, to give us. As always, going back to the basics, saison Dupont from Brasserie Dupont. I think they would say this is the original saison, and a lot of other people would say this is the original saison. It's a Belgian farmhouse ale and. Well, you might not have had the actual Saison DuPont, you've probably had their yeast before, because I think every yeast company out there has a DuPont strain. And so if you if you try this beer, you'll probably be reminded of a different beer. 
<laughs> they've just stolen their yeast. Because it's so good. It, it, it is. It's just a very balanced, perfect yeast. And so the uh, Saison was traditionally brewed um, after the wheat harvest. Brew your wheat beer, store it um, in the bottles over the winter. When the temperature was cold, the carbonation would be low. When it starts warming up in the spring, it would get highly carbonated, and that's when they would pop in a nice, refreshing spring summer beer. That's what we have here. Yeah, and in doing a little bit of research to brew a Saison this weekend, a lot of those um, Belgian yeast strains for Saison have a huge wide temperature range because you're right, you start off, you know, at your typical, you know, kind of ale yeast fermentation. And then as fermentation starts to kind of end and complete, you, I don't know, I'm going to have to put it in my freaking garage or something to warm it up enough or put it right in front of the, the window in the basement to kind of warm it up so we can kind of um, encourage a little bit more carbonation and get a little bit more. And they're just like very, 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 very aggressive yeasts. Yeah, they're at home at 80, 90 degrees. Yeah, it's a wild. In a hayloft. So home brewers have to be really precise with <laughs> the different rooms that they put them in in their house. and Actually, all no, that. because the Saison yeast will be the most forgiving. Other yeast yeah. will just go completely dormant and they'll, they'll just stop, where yeah. a Saison yeast will, will keep going if you... Um, don't have temperature control, which I have to assume 80% of homebrewers don't have. Right, right. Um, we, we happen to know a, uh, a fellow podcaster who knows a lot about uh, temperature control. Mark. Mark. <laughs> Come on, he's the HVAC guy. <laughs> if you need a, if you need a room... I was thinking in the uh, homebrewing context. <laughs> if you need a guy to temperature control a room for you, just or call it Or a meat smoker. Or a meat <laughs> smoker. Very small chamber that's all i need yeah, i know that's all I, yeah i know i need like a like a phone booth style that's all that's so, it it's interesting if you go on homebrew forums what everyone is rigged together for a temperature control oh that's good chamber it's usually a uh, deep freeze with a temperature controller on it and right a space heater in it you get it oh, right wow. at the exact temperature wow i don't have that space yeah that's how i mean that's how i do my kegerator but it's a deep freeze because it's a chest free uh freezer and they're pretty inexpensive, and they're easy to rig for like a keg system. But you'd almost have to have another one to do the mm-hmm. temperature control. Then you can do lagering. I was gonna say you need two because you need one for your ales, one for your lagers. You're getting carried away. It's I, all home brewers I, too. I could see a corner of my uh, basement now, like housing another one <laughs> just for lagering. I'm sure my wife will be happy to move like her stuff aside. <laughs> yeah, so you just have to it. slowly take it over. Just just one thing at a time, yeah. like one square foot at a time, and I'm good. Yeah, something nice and subtle like a deep freezer that you won't <laughs> notice. I've already done that with the equipment. Now it's just like the room. <laughs> so this is decidedly sweeter than the goose. It definitely is. Yeah, it's definitely lemony. I guess I would say is probably the. I mean, it's kind of in a citrus way, but. The other thing that's interesting with these is where uh, they're bottled. I mean, you kind of talked about a little bit, but they're bottle conditioned. Yep. And so, I mean, that kind of adds a little bit to the elements of how they age and where they age and all that. I mean. And unfortunately, this one was bottle conditioned in a brown glass bottle, not a green glass (laughs) bottle like the Boone. And so uh, we were talking about this before the podcast, but the green glass gives you just a little bit of light strike in your beer, which gives it a very slight 
uh, Heineken skunkiness, but uh, not full blown Heineken. Just a, yeah, I'm a not getting subtle, any of that. No, you you won't brown unless it's stored outside, which I certainly hope this wasn't. Yeah, and it's 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 like they don't have room outside. <laughs> if you drink this next to the but it wasn't temperature controlled <laughs> before you bought it. That's for sure. As you drink this next to the goose, it's um, a lot smoother, less tart, of course. Uh, a little sweeter. I think this will please more people than the goose. Yeah, it's. E- I mean, generally speaking, it's easier to drink. Yeah, more approachable. Your your goose gets uh, just some of those funky flavors, the a little bit of harshness, and maybe even like a a lactic acid type of flavor that really puts people off if they're not expecting it or if they're not used. I mean, it's definitely like a. Um, an acquired taste for sure. But especially if you're not expecting it and you have this, I mean, this is much easier to drink from that perspective. Yeah. It's also 6.5% instead of eight, but this is great. This is, I'm so glad when Kyle said, he's like, this is what I'm getting. No, he, know, he knows. It's, uh, knows. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's so traditional. It's one of the best, um, you know, we haven't gotten it in town and in distribution for that long. You know, a couple of years or whatever. We but used to get it just in the, the bombers, right? We got the big bottles, I think, at your right. old house, Evan. That was the first time I had it with uh, Charcuterie Man Brian brought right. it over. And uh, it's it's just a, it's a delicious beer. It's great to get off the shelf. and Yeah, they have both very nice uh, four packs and bombers. Easy to spot the, the white and yellow yeah. checker on it. Yeah, very approachable. Awesome. Uh, easy drinking, 6.5% for sure. Yeah, and they're very clear, have a lot of uh, effervescent carb to it. So, you know, if you like that, and, and for fall days, the Saison is also really nice. Yeah, and I would say the kind of the more mildness probably is why it's fruited by other breweries a little bit more is just because it's it's probably easier to balance out um, than it would be to fruit like the, a really strong goose. Um, it's a nice blank know. canvas. Oh, Side Project does a great job. Sante Adarius up in Northern California does a great job with mm-hmm. uh, fruited saisons. I mean, it's I, I'm I'm not saying it's easy to do, but uh, the ones that do it really well, I'm sure saison uh, is probably try, just one try that their, just it's a good blank canvas. Yeah, that's a good way to word it. Try those breweries base saison, and it's phenomenal. It's delicious. It's, oh, Side yeah. Projects just saison de fermier. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure that's been to go for probably two months now. People just would, don't buy it. Is, not, is that their is that their pretty much their base saison, or would you consider like a non? What's is that uh, the beer de pays? I was going to say beer de pays. I mean non non fooder or non. Well, everything they do is barrel. So everything is beer de pays barrel. Everything. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So you just. Uh, well, I guess either way. But SDF is so much different than beer to pays. Oh, yeah. so much different. Double the ABV too. I would. I would give beer to pays to anybody as like a gateway or a blank canvas of hey, this is what these guys kind of build from. Yeah. Try this, and if you like this, hey, let's try this and that and the yep. other. Yep. I mean, SDF is. It's pretty tart, and it's got a lot, a lot. It's of complex. It's pretty aggressive. I mean, yeah. it's aggressive. It's complex. It's but beer de pays is not complex, right? It is very, 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 very smooth. SDF is well a blend. They do multiple different wine barrels yeah. and things like that. I mean, it's a, it's incredible. But uh, 
for like a, yeah, an introductory style, I mean, definitely probably something I would stay away from, but, um, yeah, beer to pays. I don't know what Sante Darius does for a base. I, I gotta think that they release it cause probably at least on draft. Um, but Jester King does a little bit of base stuff. Traditional Saison. I mean, not everything is fruited, but I don't think they come out and say, hey, here's our wild ale. Think, do they call anything Saison? I think everything there is mixed they got culture, a few. like farmhouse ale. But they mixed do. Culture, uh, farmhouse or farmhouse, ale. yeah, farmhouse ale. Um, <laughs> but then you have, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the beer, but uh, Cantillon and... Uh, Trey Fontaine. Cantillon and Russian River and Allagash did a collab of just their bases. Um, that I had a Russian River <laughs> randomly that they had for, for an on-site uh, specialty beer. Um, that I think maybe Cantillon was the only one that actually sold some to, uh, to actually for people to take home. Um, but it was all their traditional bases for, I mean, Cantillon, whatever their traditional Lambic is, I don't think they released, but uh, Russian River for their wild ales, and then uh, Allagash for wild ales, which is a little bit different than a Saison, obviously. But all those bases put together in a nice little 375 milliliter bottle was pretty special. This is getting so much better. The Saison Dupont is great. Warms. Don't drink. And a lot of these, um, other than I think Oktoberfest, although original Oktoberfest, you're going to have it pretty much the same like temperature, um, the kind of like in the 50s range. But I think Oktoberfest still tastes really good cold, mm-hmm. just like a lager should. But, man, the Saison, the Goose, as these things sit and kind of get to warm temperature, they're so much more enjoyable. Yeah, I'd I love them at this temperature. Yeah. 14 degrees Celsius. There you go, 14 you degrees go. Celsius. All right. Hashtag 14 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Deal. Deal. All right, gentlemen. Anything else? Like, I think, what, I, I think what's the winner today? Ryan I think it's hard to ask because he knew he won. I think it's hard to pick a winner. Um, I, honestly, that that Dunkelweizen from Bearded Owl, they knocked it out of the park yeah. in that style. It is really, really delicious. It might be, and I've said this, I mean, I think that Nick and PJ are not afraid to just kind of do a boring style, and you might consider this a boring style. But they're willing They're willing to bring people in, and, and their staff is willing to say, hey, try this. If you like this, try this. And that's a well-educated staff, and that's what you need at a yeah. brewery or a good a good restaurant. And you need, you know, some of these breweries take uh, some of these styles so serious, and they want to do it so boldly that uh, you end up going to you know some breweries tap room, and the only decent beer you can get is seven, eight, nine percent or above. And to be able to to go into a bearded owl and have a great great five percent style is. It, it definitely appeals to the to a little bit more of the masses, but it's just easy to drink. It's nice to be able to go to a place and have two or three and not leave drunk and things like this. I mean, we always talk about that, but because um, for the most part, unless you go, you know, the side project seller, I mean, they always have a nice four or five percent that you can drink on draft. But, you know, most places, I mean, even a, a, one of, you know, a lot of the, the best IPA breweries, it's all double IPAs and. And maybe a few stouts, and that's what you're getting. But, Ryan, that's what pays the bills. And I have no problem with that, other than when I go to drink at a tap room. It's I like, know. I got to focus on getting, you know, the, the 4% or 6% pour, I know. drinking a ton of water and taking my time. Um, 
but to be able to go and get a nice uh, 12 ounce or so of, uh, of a Dunkelweizen that's done very, very well is, is pretty enjoyable. My judge of a brewery is how well they can do the boring stuff. That's usually the first thing I drink is something boring because I know if, if you can do boring Definitely. well, it's usually one to, or I shouldn't say one, one grain, but four ingredients at, at the minimum usually. If you can do that well, you're, you're going to kill it. And I read an article, I think it was uh, Sean the Brewer when he was at uh, Ram. Ram. He had to brew boring beers. Um, as mandated by Ram, so he got very, very good at brewing very technical, very boring beers. And then when he moved on to more, he was able to expand that, and he's kind of ran it back in. But he has that yeah. technical background. Too. It took him a while to be able to get uh, even just a, a hazy IPA brewed on their system. Did you read that craft beer brewing? That's probably where I read it. I read that too. Great magazine, craft beer and brewing magazine. Uh, especially for homebrewers like Kyle and I, it has a ton of great info for homebrewing, but it does focus a lot about the people behind the beer. The brewers, the places that you go to, like they talk to Sean Burns, they talk to the Suarez family brewery in that in that edition. It was great, great read. Dovetail was in there, how they accidentally found their yeah. Palatine cherries from yeah. a customer drinking at their awesome. bar. <laughs> Just happened to be a produce buyer. Yep. And a Palatine guy. All right. Well, we're going to enjoy this uh, German-style lager from Revolution. Um, a lot of, nice. lot of people from, I think, our listeners, at least here in Central Illinois, know about Revolution. They know that this is a great Oktoberfest. Um, they do, they do a great job. It's in the um, – what part of town is it? I think it's Lincoln Park. Lincoln, Lincoln Park, kind of uh, not north side of town, but uh, probably the, just a little bit north of, of uh, downtown. And actually, they've got uh, a great tap room. Logan got Square. A, Logan Square, yeah. Logan Just Square. Just a little bit west, yeah. Yeah, their production facility is nearby. Yep, and they've got uh, a ton of food and a really cool atmosphere. Great food. They do a really good job. Yeah, and their Deeth series, which is Deeth because their founder and brewer, Deeth, his last name is Deeth. I always said Deeth. D-E-T-H. Apparently, it's Deeth. It's Deeth. He got a lot of his uh, inspiration in uh, from the, the Goose Island guy. The name Death Star Death comes Star. from inspiration because people call him Death. 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 <laughs> so then you go to the Star Wars theme. Call him Death, right? Yeah. But uh, so it's kind of a little bit of a joke for the revolutionary revolution employees. It's and well played. It's very well played. Love it. Yeah. All right, guys. This has been fun. Um, check us out. We did a little bit of a live preview. It wasn't much, but thought we'd give it a buzz. Maybe uh, maybe we might do a little live uh, post here because we might crack another bottle or two Ooh, might might maybe yum all right Can't wait cheers all right see us uh, one two. good stuff yep check us back uh on social media instagram facebook twitter ryan he's in charge of the twitter page got it <laughs> and, on it and thanks again i got my space <laughs> oh <laughs> i got a good are song you, in the background on, are we on tinder too <laughs> yes um, i'm still trying to pick my top five so Okay. And check us out on Hopped Up Network. You can get all of our podcasts on there, including lots of other beer podcasts. So, all right, guys. We created a Tinder page. <laughs> swipe left. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Swipe left or right? I don't know. I, I'd swipe the good way for the, the moon. Yeah, swipe the good way for the we moon. We use Mark's picture of like uh, 
a hundred pictures in one square, and that'll be our holy cow! <laughs> what an amazing picture! <laughs> I want to know. Yeah, Mark will tell us how long he took to do that. So thanks to Mark on our social media pages because he is like the guy. Okay. All right. All right. Cheers.